I think one thing we should do is when we get to season 21, we should re-listen to these episodes. Yeah. Be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that was us. Rose's cat's feet are so freaky. Hey, Maniacs. You're already giggling. You can't even get the name of the podcast out. It's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a comedy recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week we dig into an episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten episodes, including this one left. <laughs> Can you insert a Wilhelm scream there, please? Yes. <laughs> we have ah! 10 left. No, no. Blah, blah, blah. I can't hear you. La, la, la. It's hard to put fingers in your ears when you're wearing headphones, but I'll do it. I'm in denial. Anyhow. This is a spoiler podcast. If you haven't seen this episode, go watch this episode. You can find it on Acorn. This is season 21, episode one, The Point of Balance. The Point of Balance. Which is the very first episode that we are now covering in full that we prior did a mini episode about 28 months ago. December of 2019 in the before time. We didn't even know what COVID was then. Yeah, we didn't. Nothing happened. No, it was between episodes 20 and 21. That's insane. That feels like a million years ago. It is a million years ago. I, it's just, wow. Before we dive in, just a quick reminder that if you go and you buy some Midsummer Maniac swag, all the profits are going to go to the World Central Kitchen, and we're going to match those profits out of our very own pockets until the end of June. If there's a t-shirt that you want, now's the time to get it. You can make a difference. Yep. Anyhow, uh, just okay. a little warning. If you're a Canadian, don't listen to this podcast because you get killed in this episode. It's all Canadians die in this episode. Look out. Oh, before we get started, I have a little Sarah's recommendation corner. Oh, you do? Excellent. Yes. Okay, what are you recommending, uh, Sarah? We watched something really fantastic lately, and I think that people who like Midsummer would also like it. Moon Knight? No, no. No, that's completely different. Okay, that's, that's no. completely different. Um, it's a show called Annika. Yes. A-N-N-I-K-A, yes. I think. Yes, yes. Um, it stars uh, Nicola Walker, who I most recently saw her in Unforgotten, but she's been in everything. You'll recognize her immediately. We saw it because it's on PBS. as a, It was a masterpiece series, yep. but it's I know it aired excellent. other places. So here's the reason why I want to recommend it to people who like Midsummer. When you first look at it, if you see like just the cover of it or whatever, it looks like some kind of Nordic noir super serious show. And it really isn't. It's really, if you don't know Nordic noir, it's, it's Wallander. It's Wallander. It has no sense of humor. Detectives with no sense of humor being really sad and terrible, horrible crimes. Yes. This is not like that. Yes. One thing that I really, really like about it is that she's a single mom with a teenage daughter and they get along. Yeah. There's no drama between them. No. They're both doing their best. They laugh together. Yep. Um, But I also like that Annika, the main character... Does these asides to the camera? Yes. She, she breaks, talks to the camera. She she does what is called direct address. Yes. And I really like it because she's so funny. Yeah. I want her and Shetland to cross over. Yes. Because it, it has kind of the same feel to it. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, they'd be good for each other. But she's a detective who is in charge of a crew that investigates crimes on the water. And she's Norwegian. She, I think her family is Norwegian, but, but they're in Scotland. Yeah. And and that's where she's like, really? Yeah. If, if they just get lost in the boat, they'll end up in Shetland. (laughs) (laughs) But if you find it somewhere, give it a shot. Yeah. I, I think You'll like it if you like Midsummer. I, I, it's I well, agree. There's a first season, it's all out, and the second season has already been bought and paid for. They're definitely going to put out another one. So it's not one of those shows that you fall in love with and then find out they're not going to make any more of. So there's oh, going to be at least it, one more season. It's also a mystery, mm-hmm. unlike a lot of shows now that are just like procedurals. That yeah. Are like this ho- incredibly horrible thing happened. Look at this person doing this incredibly horrible thing. There's no whodunit. Yeah. They're mysteries. These are mysteries. Yeah. I'll also say on the side, if you happen to have Apple TV, Slough House is super good. No, if you, it's called Slow Horses. Slow Horses, that's right. Yeah. Um, that's the the name of the first book. If you've read those books by Mick Herron, I really like them. I don't really like espionage books, but they're, again, they're very character driven and all the characters are really awesome. And the plots are super good. And they're complicated and mysterious and I would say it's fun. It is Slow Horses. The younger, alcoholic, drug-addled brother of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the rejects. They're they're MI5 rejects. With a little fun. Yeah. So, Annika, Slow Horses. Highly recommended. Yep. All right. Okay. That, that wraps up Sarah's recommendation corner for this week. Okay. Point of balance. We did a mini episode in December 2019. Yes, we did. And we said that you were going to, like... This is the one of the best things we've ever come up with, which is to watch the episode like a mania. Yes. So and we, we gave people you, five challenges. We give you things to look for. So uh, that you too can watch like a mania. So the first one was why are Rose's cat's feet so freaky? Freaky cat feet. Freaky freaky. Uh three signs that you're a nerd in midsummer. Mm-hmm. We'll go over all the answers to these. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a punny name for an Irish musical review. Mm-hmm. Which dancer is also an inspector? Mm-hmm. And finally, what kind of pajamas do middle-aged women wear? In Midsummer. In Midsummer. Yeah, those were our five things to look at if you wanted to watch like a mean. So hopefully, okay, we, we have to address this. Thank you all for listening and downloading the episodes. We are hitting numbers that we've never seen before. Yeah. Like, Welcome, if you're new. If you're new, welcome. And if you listened, <laughs> if you did what we asked you and listened to the mini episode and then, then watched watch the, the episode. episode and are now listening to this, you are our favorite people in the world. Absolutely. Can, can they come and live with us instead of all the children this summer? This episode was broadcast January 21st, 2020 in the UK. It was broadcast before that in the United States. Which is why we could make a podcast yep. in 2019 about it. Uh, filming <laughs> We're not time was travelers. March and April 2019, 4.8 million views. Directed by Audrey Cook and written by Nick Hicks Beach. So when this episode came out, it was interesting that the response about it was that it was a, a mashup between Strictly Come Dancing and Midsummer. Basically, that that was kind of the way it was perceived by a lot of folks who had something to say about it. And there was positive responses to that and negative responses to that. It's really because, not Strictly Come Dancing. It's- no, but it, there, it is like a dance competition. But... All of the actors who dance in this episode are dancers, and a lot of them had been on Strictly. Okay, guess how many people, just actors, Midsummer and Strictly have in common? Oh, 
Now, I've never seen Strictly. Yeah, but you know the format, right? No, it's, it's a, very popular. It's a competitive dance yep. show and where it's super popular. a celebrity and a professional dancer pair up. And, and they, how many seasons have they had? A, a, a million, 15, okay. 20. And they've had people like, like I think Johnny Vegas has been on that show. Everybody, so, so lots of people. I'm going to go eight. 30. 30? Yeah. Wow. 30 people. And that's just actors. Wow. Right? I didn't just do a number. Like, there, it's not sound people not who st- worked on stunt both. Stunt coordinator. No. Stuff. 30 people. Script supervisor. So when they cast for an episode like this Midsummer, they, they've got to look for people who have dance on their CV that who have done some dance, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't do what they do in this episode if you've never danced before. No. You, you're not going to learn it like no. that, right? Everybody, including that old guy who's with Barnaby. <laughs> Ned. Ned Barnaby. So, yeah, so there's all these dancers. But here, so here's my favorite, though. I was reading through some of the responses. How boring. Nigel, and by Nigel, they're referring to Nigel Havers, who plays Andrew Wilder, the patriarch of the Wilder family who has a helicopter. Nigel could have done it all from the comfort of his own home and escaped in the helicopter in a dramatic fashion. But no. (laughs) And then another person replied to that one. It was Chief Inspector from Father Brown and his dreadful eyeliner. Because <laughs> remember, we're a spoiler yeah. podcast. We're yeah. going to tell you exactly oh, who did it. It was Ray it was in his Ray. eyeliner, and it was really sad. It's really sad. Um, <laughs> but I just, I love the idea of Nigel, who is slowly becoming handicapped because of a condition that he has, but also owns a robotics company. No, I think he's slowly going senile because he's working out in his business suit. There is that. <laughs> You do PT and what you got on. Like him, like remote controlling robotic arms yep. and just smashing people oh, around. We're going to get about the robots. Because <laughs> there are some robots in that robot lab that are kids' toys. Oh, yeah. Of course there are. They had to they had to use what they could get. Yeah. Right? But there are also some some actual industrial robots in there, there too. There are some industrial they, robots. They found some sources to borrow some stuff. I, I Like, I, we'll get there. But they must have said, we're going to put blood on this. Or like corn syrup and dye. And the robot guy must have went, no. No. (laughs) Okay, we're just going to make your incredibly expensive and highly advanced product look like it could kill somebody. Is that okay? No. No. Okay. Um, We're going to say somebody had a joystick and they did it. Is that okay? Yes. No, I I don't know. Where's craft services? (laughs) How much are you going to pay us again? Yeah. Okay. You can whack somebody with our robot. It's all right. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so this is the dance episode, which you yeah. should be familiar the with. The dance right? robot episode. Something dancing I don't think was ever said before. In the- What do you mean? There's robot dancing. No. Okay. There is robot <laughs> dancing. There's robots that dance now. Yes. And there's always been people who dance like robots since yes. there have been robots. But there has never been a Midsummer robot dancing episode. No, there hasn't. It's quite the mashup. But you can't say that this is a village that is in one track, right? They do dance and robotics. Yes. And they're neuro-robotics, right? They're, they're um, roboticists who are developing things to help people who have some kind of disability. Which is great. I don't know what that giant arm is supposed to do for anybody other than kill your enemies. Whack Canadians. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that that big orange. Canucks. Oh, sorry. Canucks. Yeah. I don't think that big orange arm is going to be helping somebody get something from a high shelf anytime soon. <laughs> Unless it's to whack them with it. 
Okay, we start at the Paramount Dance Extravaganza. Extravaganza! And you immediately go, what? Why is a robot company sponsoring a dance competition? What is the connection? Well, we find Uh, out that it's Ray. Yeah, so his dad is sponsoring a dance competition that he is in, though he doesn't support him dancing? Hmm. Yeah, okay. Ray's father... Though senile and though incredibly sad at the end, is the second worst human in this episode. <laughs> so this is the Wilder family, right? Yes. So it's Andrew Wilder and Lily Wilder, who is his second wife. We don't yes. know what happened to his first wife. Whacked by a, a robot, robot arm. arm. <laughs> and then Andrew has two children, Ray and Heather. And Heather is taking over the robot company. And Ray just wants to dance and be left alone and have his dad be proud. And you know what? If he was da- if he was if he danced and was left alone and his father was proud, there would be nothing in this episode. Yeah, I mean that would kind of undermine the whole thing, yeah. you know. It's like and, if you inject cell phones into half the movies made within the last 30 years, it would undo yeah. the plot. So Ray Wilder, the dancing son of the roboticist, is the answer to one of our main watch like a maniac challenges. We yes. said which dancer is also an inspector. Yes. And that is Ray Wilder, played by Tom Chambers. Yes. Yes. Um, who is also Inspector Sullivan in Father Brown. Yes. He's in two seasons of Father Brown. Mm-hmm. He, he was the original. He's actually the one I like the best. I like him a lot. I don't know. I like them both. And like especially the, the episode where he's on the run from the law is a very good episode. And Tom Chambers, the actor, won the sixth season of Strictly Come Dancing in 2004. Well, I can tell why. He knows how to dance. He's an extremely good dancer. Clearly he knows how to dance. When he's stretching in the studio in front of Barnaby, I was like, oh, so not only can he touch his toes, but he can touch his toes with his legs pretty far apart, so he can probably do the splits. I'm like, don't try it. Don't try it, Barnaby. Don't try it. <laughs> like Barnaby did okay kicking the rugby ball into the uprights, but yeah. he's not he's not a dancer. No. 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 I but there's think, a great picture. I don't of think him. Neil Dudgeon is a dancer. Him dancing. Yeah. So we've got uh we've got the dance competition that's gonna go on for four days. I think so. They and they say it's a four day competition. You so. would think that if it were a four day competition, they wouldn't just tape the sign on the podium. You could see the tape. <laughs> I have always supported the people who do the production of this show. Yeah. But they missed the tape. They phoned that one in. They phoned that one in. The tape's visible. Yeah. So the idea, I guess, is that each night they're going to dance a different style of dance and and they're judges that are going to score them. And then at the end, there's going to be a winning couple who are going to get a trophy. But really, the competition is how many Canadians can you kill before the end of the episode? There is that. There is that. So the Canadians are Rosa Corrigan. Did you notice that in the subtitles it said, I'm done in a Canadian accent. No, I didn't I'm notice like, that. How do you say, if you don't know already, if you're new to the ep- uh, uh, Midsummer Maniacs, I'm Canadian. Yes. So he's a little touchy about a Canadian little touchy stuff. About, so I'm like, I wonder how I say I'm done. That's different. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm done, eh? A hoser. Hoser. <laughs> they don't even put the A hoser in the, in yeah. the subtitles because it's implied. But there's an A-hoser. So there's Rosa and her brother, Duncan. They are the Canadians. Yep. 
who apparently were raised in England, though they then went to Canada. Because Duncan later says he was he was raised in that house. So I would assume that by they, his grandma, because man, no, that is an old lady house. His their parents had a fuddy dud house. Wow, and he just lives in it. Yeah. Rosa dies right away. Oh, right away. Absolutely right away. And we don't know how. No, but she's got tall in her mouth. Yes. Tall, tweel, tool, however you want to say it. It's that scrunchy kind of plasticky netty fabric that's usually underneath a skirt to make it poof out. Now. It's what tutus are made out of. We're not going to go. We need a new name for this because we're not going to go to Greenland. We're going to go. I guess we're going to go to Nashville. Okay. Because the theme is not only different in this episode, it is in a different time signature. I noticed. Okay, so I'm not musical. Yeah. It just sounded different to me. So it is in a waltz time signature, which is 3-4 time, which is da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. What is it usually? In 4-4, four, four, which is Okay, I can hear the difference. Yeah. <laughs> Took me a second. <laughs> so I noticed that right away. And and the guy who does the music for Midsummer is now standing up and clapping because somebody Somebody <laughs> noticed! Somebody noticed. So if you want the dance version of the Midsummer theme, this is it. Yeah. Because you can waltz to it. You can waltz to this. It's got a good beat and I can waltz to it. I listened a couple of times just to make sure and counted, clapped it out and everything. (laughs) That explains a lot about what you were doing when you were watching it. (laughs) In there clapping your hands. Like, they can't hear you. They don't know you're applauding. Rosa Corrigan, 37. Do they usually give the age of uh, people? Yeah. I don't know if they do. I I noticed it. I don't know. They did this time. In the real world, they do, so yes. it makes sense. Is this a burglary? No. Pasadoble is mentioned here. Do you know what that is? It's a type of dance. Yes, it's a fast-paced Spanish military da- march. So it's a march, which is in 4-4, or sometimes 6-8 time, okay? Mm-hmm. But it's double, so they do 120 steps per minute. It's fast. It's that, it's that with the toes going... Yeah, right. it's fast. Is it the one, is it supposed to be kind of like a bullfight? No, it's not that fast. Okay. But 120 step as per minute is like a Two rock steps song. a second. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's fast. It's a rock. It's a racking song. Yeah. So Rosa is also a dancer, but not competing in this competition because her partner got deported. Yes. Well, okay. You got to be careful with your gender roles here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember... For uh, Fleur talks about gender roles oh, to Barnaby. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, we haven't had that discussion on this show no, before. No, but her partner, Alexei, yes. was Russian. Mom, mom, I got a part. I'm a deported Russian dancer. Yeah. He flies back from New York City and somebody has called the immigration services on him. Now, wouldn't like going through customs and stuff kind of flag him anyway? I guess. Why would he get flagged? I mean, I I would think if he was illegally in the UK, that just coming back would have done that. There are some things in this episode where you shake your hands in front of your eyes and go, oh, okay, that's how it works. Sure. For right now. Let's pretend. Certainly anything to do with a computer in this episode. So because he got deported, Rosa can't compete. So she's bitter. She came to show her support, but not really. And now she's going to go and she leaves and then she gets killed in her house. Yes. 
And her and cat finds her. Her cat finds her. And this is another of our watch like a maniac because Rose's cat has freaky feet. Yes. How are they freaky? Well, according to my notes, the first time I watched it, the reason why her feet are freaky, the cat's feet are freaky, is that when we see the footprints on the ground that she's made, I assume it's a she cat. It could be a he cat. I don't know. The cat has come in the cat door and made footprints on the floor. They're so close together that the cat could not have been walking. It's like, it's almost as if two cats were walking in lockstep right behind each other. Like oh, okay. there's no, there's no distance for the stride of the cat. Oh, okay. Or the cat walked into the house normal, leaving prints, saw her dead and then tried to backtrack the same way, <laughs> but missed its own footsteps. I mean, there's just too many, just too weird. many paw prints. I, I the also, winter uses them to show that it's not a robbery. Right, because then the robber would have also left footprints since it had rained and was muddy outside, but they didn't, so they must have come in the front door. The burglary is a fake out. How do you know someone's Canadian, Sarah? They say a hoser. They got some flannel on. Flannel, oh. Duncan, with his little mustache, is Canadian-Canadian. Now, we have to separate now. Yeah. It has to be pressed flannel. Yes. Because if it's not, they could just be from Seattle. It, it could, could be grungy. Be. It could be. But if it's well-maintained flannel, they're Canadian. Especially if it's red. And he's got a mustache. Yeah. That makes him Canadian, too. If you didn't know, all Canadian children are born with a beard, and <laughs> they have to be shaved when they're born. So. <laughs> and flannel shirts. Yes. <laughs> they swaddle them in flannel to welcome them to their homeland, and a moose licks their face. <laughs> Now, this guy... They dip him in maple syrup. <laughs> pretty much. That's how I remember I just it. sussed it all out, didn't yep. I? Now I know the secret. Yep. The secret initiation for Canadian babies. This dude, this cat's an interesting cat. Mm -hmm. Duncan. He says some stuff about his sister and that he lost his leg. First of all, he is an actor without a leg. Yes. And he lost that leg in Afghanistan. Yes. You want to talk about him? Yeah, let's talk. His name's Cassidy Little is the actor's name. And everything I learned about him made me more impressed with him. He's super cool. He's incredible. He really did lose his leg okay. in Afghanistan well, you're, you're in totally, 2011. You're burying the lead. What? He's Canadian. He's actually Canadian. He was born in Newfoundland. Yeah. I, sh I guess I should start at the beginning. Yes. The life of Cassidy Little. And he came to the UK to be a comedian. Born in Newfoundland. And joined the military. In, no. In Wait. Do it in order. Okay. Born in Newfoundland. Okay. Born in Newfoundland. With his little beard. Yes. And his flannel swaddle. Dipped swaddle. in maple syrup. Licked by a moose and had his beard shaved. And then he grew up and came to the UK where he trained as a ballet dancer. Yes. And was quite accomplished until he suffered an injury that meant he couldn't dance anymore. So what does he do? He joins the Marines, yes. the Royal Marines, as a medic. Yep. And he goes to Afghanistan. And in 2011, he and his team were tasked with sort of putting their heads above the parapet, more or less. Basically, they had to go out and sort of be seen by some insurgents so that some other Marines could sort of sneak around. And that was a ris really risky thing to do. They did it, of course. And many of the people who were in his team were killed when they stepped on an IED that had been buried there months ago. Yep. His leg was blown off below the knee. It was basically amputated immediately. Yep. Right? It wasn't just injured and they had to amputate it. It basically was amputated. But he also fractured his pelvis and his skull and was in an induced coma for over 
a week when yeah. they flew him back. He is a war hero. He went through all kinds of PT and rehabilitation. And when he was done with that, he was like, well, now what am I going to do? Oh, I know. I'll be a comedian and an actor. Yep. And that's what he's been doing. And he yep. does a ton of stuff for charity and yep. Poppy Day and Veterans yep. Associations and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, he was the official face of uh, Royal Legion's Remembrance Day campaign one year. Yeah. But when you think that eight years before this episode was filmed, he was in Afghanistan. Yeah. So like... And now he's on Midsummer. The dude has hustle. I'm Yeah. And I'm not saying he suffers from PTSD, but he knew what he was doing in that scene. The interview that I saw with him, he he was really transparent about that he had thought long and hard about whether he would play this part because he was kind of torn about sort of recreating that, P, that PTSD moment he has when the helicopter goes over because he didn't want to be seen to be acting as if he had it, thereby demeaning people who actually have it. Yeah. But what he decided was that he needed to do a really good job. And he did. So that people understood that that's what it can be like. And unfortunately, Jake is a psychopathic crazy man. But the relationship they have in that moment where a fellow soldier yep. comforts him, brings him back, sort of assures him that he's safe and helps him kind of overcome that. That to him was an important scene, too, that it was that he had that realism. But when he tells the story to, to Barnaby and Winter about how he lost his leg, he's basically just telling what actually happened to him. Yeah, absolutely. The character's story is very close to the Guy's a hero. Story. He's yeah. a great actor. He does a great job. Here. He did. He did a great job. I think that... He's got a really great mustache. He does. It's a thick, lustrous mustache. He does. He'd be a Montreal policeman if he lived in Canada still. <laughs> no, he'd be Nufi. His sister has died, and that's... That's so sad. You they know? do a really they good job. Really, of, they relied on each other. When he says, can I get her stuff? Yeah. He does a really good job of acting. Like, I don't know. Can can I get her stuff? Yeah. you. I didn't suspect that he was asking for nefarious reasons. No, no. I didn't think so either. You know, I'm convinced. But, but I, I thought it was good acting there. And it, it's just a shame he has to live amongst. The spoons and plates on the wall. Maybe it's comforting. It's where he grew up. Maybe. I don't know. He said he was going to change it. He had some money put aside to do it, and he was going to do that. He's a dancer. And we know from uh, Escape to the Country that that house, that cottage is probably worth, you know, $5 billion. So, you know, he's got a good investment there. Among the suspects for Rosa is Tanya. Tanya and Anton run a dance school. Tanya Brzezinski. And they are part of this. Because Tanya is her dance nemesis. Yes. And Anton is Tanya's partner. And And Anton, everything about him from his fake tan to his colored contacts, whatever else he's got on, the... The tank top that doesn't quite cover his nipples is like, I am a lounge lizard dancer. I thought you were going to say it was a useless character that there didn't need to be in the episode. There is that. Okay. (laughs) So they talked to Tanya and she's given her alibi speech. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, I went home and then she gives us a gem. She says, oh, I just got tucked into bed in my Winsiet Jim Jams. 
Jim Jams. I love Jim Jams. I like Jim Jams so much more than pajamas. Yes. Though they're both so fun that's words. what she called her pajamas, which is what we were making reference to in yes. the episode. But when we, Jim Jams is fantastic. When we said, what do middle-aged women in midsummer wear to bed? It is Winsiet Jim Jams. Do you know what Winsiet is? No. It's a kind of flannel that's a thinner flannel. So traditionally, if you said, oh, well, you've got wincy at pajamas, the, the stereotype would either be a nightgown that comes all the way up to your throat, all the way down to your wrists, all the way down to your ankles, or it's the kind of pajamas that have like a button up top and pants. Yeah. Very traditional conservative pajamas. Jim Jams. Jim Jams. So she's basically saying, when I get home, I act like an old lady. Aren't you disappointed in me? While we're here at the dance studio, though, and yes. Anton's barking at old people about their posture, which just seems cruel to me, would you like to take a quiz? Sure. I'm up for any sort of quiz. I don't have any horrible movies for this episode. So we got a quiz. So we got a quiz instead. Excellent. Because we're learning so much about dancing. Okay, what do we do? We're do is it a dance quiz? Do we, is this an active quiz? Um, no, because this is an audio format. Okay. Oh, yeah. And if you danced, nobody would see it. Even but if you watch her YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> no, instead, like Pasa Doble. So since this episode is all themed around dancing and we hear lots of dance terminology, I thought I would see how up on your dance terminology you are. Oh, okay. So, so what I have is a, uh, a list of 10 items. They are dance terms, most of them kinds of dances. Okay. Some of them are real, some of them are fake. Okay. Are you ready? Hit me. The term is Jack Palance. Okay. It's the Cockney rhyming slang used to substitute for the word dance. Okay, so Jack Palance. Is an actor. Is an actor. But is he Cockney rhyming slang for dance? Go out there and show me your best Jack Palance. I'm going to go no. Yes. Oh, you got the first one wrong. Oh, I'm feeling optimistic here. Over one. Woohoo! All right. The next one is crumping. Crumping. Loosely based on a slightly softer version of a similar dance called clowning, which came out of Compton in the early 1990s. Crumping. Crumping. So it's straight out of Compton. Yep. And it's a tougher version of clowning. Now, so I'm I'm not familiar with my West Coast hip hop dances as I am my East Coast hip hop <laughs> dance. Oh, is that the or difference? Or my Atlanta uh, hip hop dancing? Okay. I'm gonna go fake because you think that I'm gonna think it's real. It's real. Oh my gosh, folks! It's I'm, the hardcore version of clowning, crumping, crumping. Okay. Woo-woo. Oh, for two. Two for two for me. All right. Here's your next term. Suicides. A way to end a hip-hop routine where the dancers pretend to lose control and then drop dead. The more realistic, the better. That's true. It is true. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I think I actually remember that from Breakdancing 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> they were like, oh, you did a good suicide there at the I end. Think, I think that's maybe where I learned that from. <laughs> wow. I've got a, a mix of eras here. Okay. 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 So this. So I'm, I'm two for one. You are one for three. One for three. 33% folks. Yes. This is a dance craze from the 20s and 30s. I'm going to tell you the name of it last. Okay. okay. It's a kind of uh, like a line dance, like for a crowd, like at a party, where the dancers have to follow the steps that are called out by the announcer or the MC or whatever. Okay. The calling gets faster until dancers fail to keep up. And when they do, the surviving dancers and MC shout, 
moron, and point at them, and then continue to dance when the next step is called. And the dance is called the moron. (laughs) So if you don't keep up, if you don't do the right step, or you fall down, everybody pauses, points at you, and says, moron, and then goes back to dancing. (laughs) How can that be a dance? It's a party dance, you know? No, that's It's like square dancing, like you do what the the MC tells you to do. It's like fake dancing. It's fakey fake fake You are correct. (laughs) That one is fake. I made that one up. (laughs) Though I think it's fun. (laughs) Moron. Moron! And then you dance. All right. The next dance is called Ghost Ride the Whip, and this is to dance while riding or near a moving vehicle. Okay. Ghost Ride the Whip, real or fake? I'm going to go real, though I've never heard of it. It is real. Why did you guess it was real? Is it this silly thing that people do when they get out of their car and while it's still going and dance outside their car? Or stand up in a convertible and dance. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Morons in cars dancing. (laughs) All right. Here's your next one. You are three for five at this moment. The Badger Trot, a version of the Foxtrot set to slower music with more subdued foot motions, easier to do than the Foxtrot. Okay. Badger Trot. The Foxtrot has to be hard to do, but badgers are so all over this show. I'm going to go true. Fake. Oh. I made it up. You fooled me twice. You are No, four, you fooled me once. You are four for six. I fooled you twice. Four for six. I, I fooled you with Jack Palance and with yes. crumping. Yes. All right. The whip and the nene. The whip is shoulder to shoulder swaying with one arm up. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the nene part. Then you lower your arm and that's the whip. The whip and the nene. He's doing the whip and nene right now. No, it's not a dance. It is. Oh, God. It's true. And it's recent. It's like from like two years ago. Well, okay. Aren't you out of touch? I don't know if I'm going to get to 50% here. The next dance is called Dip the Bill. It's a novelty dance from the 20s where dancers form a circle and alternating, alternated, quote unquote, slapping the bottom of the person in front of them, then spinning and shuffling the other direction because a dip is slang for pickpocket and bill is slang for police. So it was a dance you did in a circle where you pretended to like pick the pocket of the person in front of you and then run away That's and then they spun around an and did it again. To touch bottoms. Pretty much. That's true. It's fake. Oh. I made it up. <laughs> I was kind of proud of that one. I'm getting better at That's this. That's super good. All right. The next one is called the hula. H O O O L A. Not H U L A. No. Hulu. It's a Hawaiian hula dancing hip move, but with jazz hands on either side of your face. Like, kind of like big eyes. It's from the 1950s. Yes, that's So it's true. like an owl yeah, hula yeah. dance. Yeah, that's true. No, I made that up. Oh. <laughs> you were so confident. <laughs> Folks, I don't like, know my oh, dancing. People terms. did stupid dances in the 50s. That one's probably true. All right. Get your swerve on the 1940s version of Bust a Move. No, that that makes no sense at all. It's real. Oh, <laughs> you're bombing. <laughs> so instead of being like, just bust a move, it's like, just get your swerve on. I guess. Wow, man, you've only got four right, and you've only got one to go. The last one is called the stanky leg. Oh, that's fake. S T A N K Y L E G G. It involves moving your leg in like a shaky circular motion. It's called the stanky leg. That's fake. It's real. Oh. <laughs> you are so out of touch. <laughs> 
And I invent good dances, apparently. Apparently. You can do the hula. Hoo, hoo. You moron. Moron. <laughs> you fell for badger trot, too. Yep. Man, I'm proud of myself today. I'm going to go put on my gym jams and do a little dance. Rosa does pretty good DB in the... Uh, Autopsy room. You know, I'm more impressed with her when she has the tall in her mouth because that stuff is kind of light. Yeah. And if she was breathing too hard, yeah, it would move that's and true. it doesn't. She yeah. does a great job there. She does a good job on the slab. Winters reads an article about the robot lady and it's straight out of the dialogue. Well, that's after looking through Rosa's laptop to see what her other stories lately have been about. Yes. Including the chili eating contest. Yes. The amateur speed camera success. Yes. And the car park appeal, which has two folders, January and March. Yes. And the Midsummer-June elections. Yes. Why has there never been an election episode of Midsummer? But I was more intrigued with the amateur speed camera success. Yeah, I don't know what that means. What that is, is it's a reference to this thing that happened in, I guess, just in England uh, in the 2010s, where... People in villages and towns were given permission to run their own speed cameras and hand out tickets. Oh. So places where they were kind of underfunded for police. Yeah, just citizens could do it. Here's the, here's the headline. Uh, Motorists will face amateur speed traps run by local volunteer groups in towns and villages across the country. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know they did that. As far as I know, it didn't last. Oh, I can imagine it was problematic. Now, it may still be in place in some places, but countrywide, uh, it did. It was not maintained. It did not go well. But apparently in midsummer, they had a little success for a little while. Let's go to the robot lab. Yeah. There's a wee little robot. There's a couple of them, little toy robots. It's and like, we're robots people, so we have little toy robots. And lots of circuit boards and like plastic face robot There's things. a nurse robot there too. Yeah. That's kind of... But how do you know you're a geek in Midsummer? Well, That's all we've got to do is look at Warren's desk. Warren? Don't you mean Richard? <laughs> <laughs> Warren Cunningham, who's also Tanya's son. Yes. Who seems to be the chief programmer of this place, is played by Luke Pierre. Yes. But as far as I'm concerned, he's low-cost Richard Iowati. Yes. He looks like? so much like Richard Iowati. <laughs> If you're not Except familiar, Richard Iowati's hair has its own character. Yeah, it's it's much bigger. Yeah, yeah. When it's right, it's much bigger. If you and don't, we'll, if you don't know who Richard Iowati is, um, he was in this sh- a show called The IT Crowd. So I think they probably want, wanted Richard Iowati, and they got Luke Pierre instead. But how can you tell he's a geek? Well, they have to tell us, right? Yeah, they have to scream it at us. Yeah. Hey, this person is a nerd. Yes. By the way, if you hadn't noticed. He's a programmer and he's a nerd. And he's a nerd because he drinks energy drinks all the time. Yes. And he has Rubik's cubes on his desk. Yes. And what else? Uh, he also has a Terminator figure on their desk. Now, that's not, that's tasteless in a robot factory, isn't it? Yeah, I would think so. Or is it foreshadowing? Foreshadowing. <laughs> he also has a display of sonic screwdrivers from Doctor Who. Oh. It's very, there's like 10 of them. It's a very nice display. That's, that's pretty serious, though. And he's got some seriously different Rubik's Cubes too, but he also has glasses because geeks wear glasses. We've mentioned that Jake is the worst human being on the planet. He is. But he is, he says something here that annoys the crap out of me. When he walks into Heather's office? Yes. And doesn't see John standing there? No, no. He goes, he says, I didn't know you were busy. 
in your glass office. Talking to somebody else. Where you were talking to someone. What is the definition of busy? <laughs> Who I could clearly see you were talking to. <laughs> it's like they wrote the script before they had the set and yeah. then they didn't change it. I didn't know you were busy. <laughs> How could you not know he, she was busy? How could he not know? I didn't know you had company. Are you blind? No, he's nosy and he's a psychopath. That's why he doesn't care. He just tells a lie. And we find out that Duncan is guinea pigging there. Yeah, he's getting tested for different kinds of new prosthetics that they're building. But none of which are robotic. Yes. He doesn't have a robot leg. No. He doesn't have a leg that like walks for him. But they do have some prosthetics in the background. So. Oh, okay. Yep. So the joints they're making for the robots, they also put in prosthetics. We get, and then we, we learn that Rachel is Andrew's nurse. Yes. And she's a crap nurse. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because maybe his brain's packing it in because she's making him work out in a suit. <laughs> Later on, when he's on the treadmill, he's got like sweats on and everything. Yeah. But... But then it's weird that he's in a suit. And then he says his little... Well, he is getting ready to hop in a helicopter and fly away like at a very important business band. Mom, mom, I got a part. What part did you get? I walk an invalid to a helicopter. Yes. <laughs> I look important. Second <laughs> helicopter shot. In I get to mid-summer. fly away in a helicopter too. Yeah. So Nigel is played by... Uh, I'm sorry. His name's Andrew. The actor's name is Nigel. Yes. Uh, Nigel Havers. He's been in tons of things. Yes. I think the first place I saw him was in a show called Man Child. He says something about Ray. So Ray's his son, and obviously his dad is very successful as a businessman. He's the king of the high street, right? Yes. Which means retail. Yep. And he says that he spent his career just selling schmutter. Schmutter. Do you know what schmutter is? No, what is schmutter? It's Yiddish for clothes or garbage. Is it like trashy clothes? I, cheap clothes, I guess. Maybe, okay. So it's like, I think it's related to schmutz, right? Schmutz is like some dirt. But I, I love when John takes Lily outside to talk to her about the murder. And she says, why would I kill her? It's inelegant. Yes. I just don't, I don't think of all of the choices she had, why she would choose Duncan or why Duncan would choose her. Because it's a subplot. <laughs> it is. It's a subplot that's kind of unimportant. So she can be sad. Yeah. And walk past the weirdest pictures that we'll get to. They're not weird. They're awesome. You may yeah. as well talk about them. Yeah. Okay. They're the Wilder house that Andrew and Lily live in is beautiful. It's incredible. Yep. It does it have some, some great artwork in it. It has some amazing sculptures in the garden that yeah, are. Yeah, there's a ball made of uh, triangles. Plain triangles. Yeah. And there's a big red elk. Yeah. But the pictures on the stairway, I I recognized the one that you don't see as closely. And I couldn't figure out where it was from. And then when I showed you. It clicked for both of us. It clicked for both of us. So they're Dan Hillier photo collages. They're prints of his work of Dan Hillier. H-I-L-L-I-E-R. He does these kind of lithographic type of, uh, they almost look like they're made from Victorian wood, um, you know, like lithograph cuts or yeah, something. They, but the one you see really clearly looks like a print of a of an old-timey Victorian guy, but his face is sliced and repeated over and over yeah. again in this weird way. I love them. I think they're yeah. super cool. And he did the record cover for uh, Royal Blood's record, Royal Blood. Yeah, yeah. I think it... 
I don't know if those are already in the house when they rent it to shoot there or what, but I, I get the impression that we're supposed to think that Andrew and Lily are current people, that yes. they're not, they're not antique people, that they have taste and, and wealth, right? Then we get the scene we were talking about with Ray and John in the dance studio. The touching scene. And Ray, okay, so Ray is an, is a, is a good dancer, yeah. right? He's not an idiot trying to do something he no. can't do. no. He is he is the star of the show. Yeah. His dad isn't supportive of him because his dad is a businessman and thinks that he should be too. Yes. And instead he's pursuing a career in dancing, which his dad doesn't see as being as worthy. But you gotta give him credit because Ray is actually a good dancer. And I think it would be different if if we were talking about the the siblings in the relish episode, where yes. the one sister's trying to write a cookbook on a novel yep. and is clearly sucky at both of them. Ray's so- actually a good dancer. So what you're saying is this episode is about a disastrous relationship between a father and son revolving around one of the son's abilities to do his job or not. And the other father-son relationship is Andrew and Ray. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because we've hardly even mentioned that Ned Barnaby... John's dad is in this episode. And when Ray says your point of balance is different than your center of gravity, your center of gravity is based on your position currently, but your point of balance is this tipping point where if you go past it, you stumble. And in reality, that's all just made up junk because there's no difference between your point of balance and your center of gravity. They are interchangeably used terms. So as expert as he sounds explaining that, I could not find a single source that said there was any difference between those two terms. They are used interchangeably, even in dance. Oh. So he sounds really knowledgeable, but he's full of it. Okay. But he does almost shove Barnaby down, which is kind of funny. He does. They go and talk to Tanya again, and I am like, what is going on in this scene? Because it's in a room full of posters. So Well, she's in a changing room. She's in a green room, right? Yeah. Before the dance competition. So we've got costumes and we've got posters from old shows that are decorating it. And this is where we get another Watch Like a Maniac. Including a poster for a review called It's All Blarney. It's All Blarney. There's four leaf clovers on it, you know. It's green and white and it's about dancing in Ireland. It's all Blarney. Then there's another poster. We cannot do that accent. We shouldn't do that ever again. (laughs) Never do that again. I can barely do the Canadian accent. Um, There's another poster from a show called When We Were Married. Mm Mm-hmm. It has a priest on it. One that says, or burn. I don't know what it has Is on. When We Were Married a real show? No. Oh, okay. Can't find any of these. And then Hindu sword swa- Swallowers. I would assume swallowers. What do you think about Ray's LED light bulb deal in China? I think it's thrown in to make him even more sad at the end. <laughs> I think he's not a good businessman. No. He's like, dad, dad, I can buy these. Yeah. Cheap. A lot cheaper than we can sell them. Okay, that's great. You've sourced one object for sale. Yes. Those LED light bulbs. He's just not good. That is not, I mean, his dad's hard on him and says like, come talk to me when you've made 20 deals, not one deal. But like, does Ray really think that buying these LED light bulbs at a discount is a a business? I just wish they had, like, I wish the subplot with Ray and business was, I want to open up another dance studio. Yeah. Like, that's something I love. And that he would probably be successful at. this one's doing great. I want to franchise it and open another one. Yeah. Like, that is actually going to get respect from his father, too. Maybe. Maybe. His dad might 
accept that he was capable of doing that. So then we have the fl- the helicopter PTSD scene, mm-hmm. which on the first watching is tender, yeah, and and sad. And Duncan does a great job of being a person with PTSD. It's filmed really well. And Jake does a good job of calming as a fellow soldier who understands comforting him. But then when you watch it a second time, you realize that Jake is the worst person in the entire world because Jake believes his own crap. Yeah. So explain what you think there. So Jake is not a soldier. No. He's never been a soldier. He's a con man. Mm -hmm. He's conned rich widows out of money. Mm -hmm. That's what he's done. The whole story of him being in Afghanistan is not true. He is what is called a Walt. Yeah. So he's comforting a fellow soldier when he's not a soldier. He's never been a soldier. Mm -mm. Never been in Afghanistan. Taking advantage of Duncan, really. I mean, he does help him, whether he does it based on real experience or not. He helps him in the moment. But wow, what a liar. Yeah. Just horrible. If you had a conscience, that moment would make you think, I have to stop doing this. Yes. Because this is what it really looks like to have gone to war. Yeah. Not what I'm pretending to be. Yeah. But he doesn't have a conscience because he's a psychopath. So he uses it to his advantage to convince everybody else that his story is real, right? It's one more piece of evidence. The the only story that's less real is the Rachel's being... Watched. Why Anything that, that touches subplot? Anton is a stupid subplot. Why is that? Why subplot? does Rachel? Yeah. The I, the only thing I can think of is that because when she admits to Ray that it's not real, that Anton was hassling her, but that the camera and the photos and the blackmail letters aren't real, is that it's another opportunity for us to see that he's a genuine real person. Because Ray does the right thing, which is understands I'm, why like, she like, did it. I totally understand, and those feelings are legitimate mm-hmm. and not, but you were wrong. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to prove that he's right to her. No. He just says, I understand why you did that, and I still love you. Yeah. Kissy kissy. Here's what I don't understand about now, that subplot. He, he doesn't really share there, like, I've no. killed two people. No. <laughs> Because he's only killed one at that moment. But here's what I don't understand about that subplot. What does Jake have to do with it? Why does he go and threaten Anton to tell him to stop? There's no moment where I don't even know how he knows. I don't know either. It's it's weird. Unless it's just another opportunity for Jake to be a psychopath in camo and and pretend to be a soldier and threaten this guy who's like 18 inches shorter than he is. I do love that Ray's like, yeah, I went and told him off. Yeah. And you're like, no, you didn't. No, because Ray's like, you... Don't do it, okay? Jeez. I mean it. All right? Oh. Meanwhile, Jake's like, I'm going to rip your throat out and crush your feet. Okay. <laughs> Poor Anton's like, my shoes are so shiny. What are you doing to them? <laughs> you kind of feel it when he when he puts just his foot down on his foot when oh. he's leaving. It kind of rolls his ankle and it, you can almost feel the crunch. I don't. Why is Anton even in this episode? He doesn't know. need to be I there. don't know. Mom, Mom, I got a part. I take the stuff to the Canuck boy. <laughs> like, that's all he does. He drops it off. Yeah, he drops Mc- Rose's stuff off to Duncan. And Duncan goes, thanks. Wow, another that was completely a unrelated subplot. The robot's place is hacked. Yeah, because, you know, everything is networked and runs on the same software or something. Well, if you go to a computer and hit it with your hands, it means you're typing in code. Who does it? Uh, I don't. Who hacks it? Well, no. Remember, Warren downloads the bad code. That 
The fact that Warren is in a desperate situation and he downloads bad code to try to solve the problem mm-hmm. is the most realistic thing about this yeah. episode. Because he's under a tight deadline that's really important. And, and I've, I've, he looks for a solution that somebody else has come up with and it turns out to be... When and he- in a precursor to what happens at the end of the episode, poor Heather, poor frickin' Heather gets whammoed by a robot. It just clunks her. Whammo! It looks painful. Yeah. Then let's talk about Duncan's ability to run away. Oh, okay. He's a soldier. He understands strategy. Yes. Why does he climb in the glass box to hide? I don't understand. (laughs) I don't get it. Let me choose a dead end surrounded by glass to hide from somebody who's chasing me. Yeah. It's the worst place he would have had a better chance just laying on the floor in the middle of the room and hoping that the killer didn't see him. And he is a person who has a prosthetic leg. In the rest of the episode, we never see him limping no. or having trouble getting around. Nope. But the moment he's chased... He's slowed now, down by his if, leg. If they had put in there something about maybe he had a PC, PTSD, because like th- that being hunted and looking around things yeah. and, you know, that moment It would of discombobulate you and you might not make may, good decisions. But that was not implied. And, no. Okay, as we have covered... Ray is not an intimidating No. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. It's not like he's got a big gun or anything. He's just chasing Duncan. Yeah. Why is Duncan even running from him? Why, why does Duncan not just go, what? No, I'm not going to let you kill me. Yeah. I will fight you because I know how to and you don't. What are you going to do? Samba me to death? Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> That's what Duncan would do. Yeah. But instead, he runs from him and hides in a glass box. And gets attacked by a robot. With a joystick. Whammo. How does Ray... Okay, Ray is a wonderful, warm human being for a killer who's understanding with his soon-to-be girlfriend for their conjugal visits to the prison. (laughs) I do not believe that he could imitate, intimidate Duncan. No. I do not believe he could use the joystick the very first time to wham the robot against He's somebody. got a better chance since Duncan has already got down to kind of try to hide. So he's still, he's not like chucking and jiving but in there. But he should have taken a couple of whacks at first. Well, like, we like, don't know that he didn't. Maybe. But at least one of them landed, and it landed good. Oh, whammo. Man, There's a nice cut there. Duncan's head against the glass with the jelly everywhere. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of blood. It really, that's a, a real smackola there. And Fleur's like, I know exactly when he died. <laughs> yeah, because he put his arm up. Because his arm was probably broken at least, like, where it maybe hit broken off. Yeah, or at least the bones were Because those robots are... Strong. Super strong. Yeah. So this whole thing is because Duncan has a photo of the Wilder family posing at a gala that shows Jake in his military uniform. But Barnaby's more interested in his doodles. No, because it says Walt. Walt. Right. So that that's what Ray is trying to find because Jake wants to find it, right? So that's why Duncan has to go down because they think he must have it. That's why they've gone through all of Rosa's stuff. But it turns out that the photo that they're looking for is in Jake's leg. Yes. He's hidden it in his prosthetic. Warren feels all guilty about this and does the best Warren scenes. 
He does. He does the crying scene with Mom Mom of God Polo shirt. Yeah. <laughs> when he's sitting in the car crying. And then the pub scene where he kind of admits. He confesses. Thing. Yeah. But it's not his fault. No. Yeah. Pseudo Ayoade does pretty good in that scene. Do you want to know about other things that have been hidden in prosthetics? Because a photograph is like the tamest thing ever. So Duncan has the photo hidden in his leg. So yeah. when they get him and on Fleur the slab. finds that. So Fleur she, finds it, right? And Barnaby goes to move it. And she's like, uh-uh. No. <laughs> she's always priceless. No touchy the dead pokes no. there, uh, Barnaby. So a photo is a strange thing to keep in your prosthetic, but it is the least of the strange things to be kept in a prosthetic in the real world. Are you ready for this? Okay. These are all real, okay? okay? Now, I'm sure you can imagine a lot of drugs have been smuggled in prosthetics, but the kind of prosthetics they've been smuggled in are special. Okay. In addition to the things that have been smuggled. So in 2007... A man was arrested in California having flown in from Fiji with not one, not two, but three rare iguanas smuggled in his prosthetic leg. Dangered, wow. tiny iguanas. He has them in his leg. That's and a tr- Those poor iguanas. I know. In 2013, a woman was caught smuggling cocaine into a prison in a fake pregnancy belly, a prosthetic pregnancy belly. That's a lot of cocaine. That's a lot of cocaine. <laughs> in 2014, a woman was caught smuggling heroin and painkillers in a prosthetic butt. Wow. <laughs> so I can only guess it was like fake butt cheeks and to like, make your butt okay. look better, I like, guess. Okay. Uh, in 2018, a prison worker who worked on the death row cells was caught smuggling meth in his leg his prosthetic leg just horrible and then yeah i mean there's tons of drugs in in legs and arms and everything but man the iguanas and the fake belly and the fake butt i just think are impressive at this point in the episode i'm wondering if they actually say chinooks in the episode Man, did you go on about that in the mini episode? You're like, Chinook, 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 Chinook. I'm like, okay, two people are dead and they haven't even said the word. Where did he, why did he go off about that? And then every say, scene from that point on. Chinook, 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 Chinook. Now, it's probably pronounced like this. Chinook. Now, I've seen some websites that say the British pronunciation is like they say it, which is Chinook, like. Chinook. Chinook. Where is your teacup? It's in the Chinook nook. <laughs> Chinook nook nook. Where I heard the word originally is from my sister because it's a warm, wet wind that comes over the mountains in Alberta. Mm-hmm. That's what they call it. It's it's from a Native American tribe. And if you notice, all of the air, all of the helicopters from a certain time period are named after. Native like terms. Apaches and yeah. Chinooks and things like that. Well, then I think however they say it is the right way to say it. How do they say it? They say Chinook. Like, then you that's the right say way it. to say okay. it. Now, I didn't tell you this story. I made sure that it wasn't in the mini episode. And I'm a thousand percent sure this happened, but it sounds incredible. Okay. And I'm not sure if I've ever told you this story. Okay. So I'm in fourth grade mm-hmm. in Canada mm-hmm. at school. Okay. This is after you had the beard shaved yep. and the, the maple dip and, and everything, And we're outside right? for lunch. Mm-hmm. We get an hour for lunch to run around, run around. Regardless crazy. of temperature, right? Yeah. Oh, it can yeah. be Regardless in January, they put you outside. <laughs> and a Chinook helicopter landed in the schoolyard. <gasps> Why? It had to make an emergency landing. And so it chose the field where there are a bunch of kids running around? Well, okay. As it came in. I remember this so incredibly well. It, it 
held an impression on me. I would. It, it had to be third or fourth grade. I know that for sure. So this is, this would be 1974, 75, sometime yeah. around there. It hovered at first. And of course, the teachers were like, get in the school right, right now. <laughs> We're being attacked. <laughs> Which must have been the most incredibly hard thing ever. Oh, yeah. Because the I, kids would be like, oh. I know. I was like, that's a helicopter. It's going to land right there. All the kids are frozen looking up with their jaws slack. So the way the school was, we couldn't see it. And I remember. So once we, you got inside, you couldn't see it anymore? We couldn't see it, but we could open up the windows and hang out them. And I remember <laughs> the teacher coming in and there were kids lying on top of other kids hanging out the window looking. At, and we were on the second floor. Now those windows wouldn't even open. And, and of course, like this is a military aircraft. Yeah. So it is making a sound louder than I've ever heard in my life. Did it have big guns on it? I, I do not know. Okay. Was it camo? It was green. Okay. It had the two rotors. Okay. It was definitely a troop mover. Yeah. Right? Like, I could go to that field and show you where it landed. Right? <laughs> you and the UFO guy. Yeah. <laughs> Right here, you see these scorch marks? That's from a Chinook. And, and I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask some people that I know on Facebook who went to school with me. If they remember <laughs> see if this, they remember. I definitely remember. They were all sick that day. <laughs> so, so then they did the best thing ever because, like, what I always imagine is what the teacher principal military conversation yeah because like, now as an adult you can put yourself in their shoes and yeah, imagine how they were handling like, it what, what are you doing the, landing here well the best part is somebody had to go to the office and tell the principal and say there's a chinook there's a helicopter that's landing in the school here. yeah <laughs> right now no i'm not kidding come on <laughs> and it happened at recess that's the crazy thing so what they did was they brought the entire school out to sit around the front of the helicopter and they took us through everything in it while they waited for the repair truck to come from Ottawa. Oh, wow. So we sat there and they told us about the rotors and we got to ask any question. It is the most That definitely happened. Th you remember that much. It definitely happened. It is the most brilliant teaching moment that that school ever made. Decision. Yeah, because they knew nothing else was going to happen. Nothing else was going to happen that day. <laughs> they could have tried math. It wasn't going to work. It'd be nope. Chinook, 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 helicopter, nope. helicopter. And then we all, I, I remember we all moved back to like we had to stand right by the school and then it, and then took, it took off, off. and well, it was so loud and made like so much wind. I bet that definitely happened. That's, I bet you can find a newspaper a article about it. Crazy thing that happened to me. If your newspaper had actually been a newspaper looked, and not a double-sided A4 flyer that got distributed once a month or I something. I looked in the Carlton Place Canadian and I could not find it. <laughs> but can you imagine the conversation in the pilots? Oh, we got to sit down. We're, you know, we're running out of fuel yeah. or something. This is broken. We're going to crash if we don't land. Yeah, if we don't land now, we need to look for a field. Oh, there's a big field. Oh, my God, there's hundreds of kids in it. <laughs> They'll run away as we come down, I'm sure. They won't jump up and try to grab the blades. It'll be fine. <laughs> They're kids. What do you think is going to happen? I'm surprised they didn't lean out with a bullhorn and go like, get away, kids, get away. No, the teachers were, the teachers at that point, it was primary school. So there were teachers in the schoolyard. Yeah, they, they, didn't, were, they didn't just abandon you during recess they, yet. They were like, 
Run away now! Into the school now! now. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. I think this is a time for a debate. No, 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 no <laughs> debating time. So we learn that the term used for someone who pretends to have military service who doesn't is Walt. Yes. Right? For Walter Mitty. Walter Mitty, which is uh, a reference to the secret life of Walter Mitty. But I was like, I don't know. I mean, would people still be using that term? I mean, if we ask one of the kids, if I said Walter Mitty to them, they wouldn't know who we were talking about, right? So I wondered if the term was still around. Apparently it is. It's kind of been replaced with the term stolen valor. Okay. Because that's that's what I'm more familiar with. Because there's a book called Stolen Valor that's about that. Yeah. But I, I do think if you were talking to a soldier like 40s and up and you said he's a Walt, I think in the UK they would know that's what you meant. Yeah. I went looking for people who have been Waltz in history. These people are both incredibly reprehensible mm-hmm. and likely suffering from mental illness. Yeah. I mean, whatever motivation they have for doing it, yeah. it's it's either that they are delusional and don't even know that they're faking it or they're bad. They want to be so respected. and I so- think it could be in some cases. And the three I'm about to tell you, they're just assholes. Okay. These are not complicated cases. Okay. Did you know Brian Dennehy did this? No. The actor Brian Dennehy. I didn't know that. Who, if you've never heard of, you've definitely seen him He's and stuff. He's a great actor. Uh, but a bad person. Oh, I didn't know he did this. Um, He claimed to have fought and been wounded in Vietnam. And he was in the Marines, but he never went to Vietnam and he was never wounded. So, okay. I'm... I'm not giving him a pass because mm-hmm. he probably used that to either extort money or get girls favors or, or sympathy or, or sympathy bene- benefits in yeah. some way. Yeah. Yeah. He was he was only in the Marines for four years and he never went to Vietnam. This guy you've never heard of, but the repercussions of what he did is extraordinary. So this guy's name is M. Larry Lawrence, and he was an American real estate developer who later became a U.S. ambassador to Switzerland. He claimed to have been a seaman first class in the Merchant Marines during World War II. And so the Merchant Marines ran ships between... They ran supply ships. ships between... Allied forces. Allied forces in yeah. World War II. And he also claimed to be a veteran of Arctic convoys that mm. also did the same thing. Yeah. When he died... He was buried in Arlington National Cemetery, and Bill Clinton gave his eulogy. He was president at the time. A year later, they found out that he lied about all of that. Wow. They disinterred him. Wow. And buried him somewhere else. They should have. As they should have. Yeah. I never heard about somebody being disinterred from Arlington because it found out they were fake. You've got to piss somebody off. Yeah, because they're not letting it go. No. But the last one is my favorite. Okay. Joseph McCarthy. What? Yes. McCarthy. He of the communist hunt, the blacklisting, ruining people's lives. He. Of McCarthyism. McCarthyism. Yeah. That Joseph McCarthy. He worked in a military office. He was in the military. He worked in an office for like a general. And his job was to type up commendation letters and for the general to sign and course general correspondence. He was a secretary. Yeah. So while he had access to doing that, he wrote a letter for himself and slipped it in amongst a lot of other letters that this general was going to sign, giving himself a commendation for his war service. Probably that he more money. Never did. Yeah. Right. He also claimed to have broken his leg during an airplane crash during World War II, when in reality, he broke it drunk on a boat at sea when the soldiers were celebrating crossing the equator. Wow. And this is 
before he becomes Senator McCarthy and starts McCarthyism. He is a liar McLiarson. That's what he is. But man, if I had been called in front of that Senate hearing and McCarthy was like, you're a communist. Have you no sense of decency? No, you don't. He has no sense of decency. Would have been like, dude, you are liar McLiarson. How's that leg doing? Yeah. You know, like. How's your commendation? (laughs) Liar McLiarson. Like. You don't get to accuse me of anything, Liar McLiarson face. McCarthy lie face. I just couldn't believe that. I was like, whoa, they disinterred that guy. They dug him right up. Wow. And went, no, you don't get to be here because you are a liar. <laughs> Is Barnaby mean to his dad? I have a note. It's leftover clown trauma. <laughs> his dad wasn't around because he was off dancing. And when he did come home, he came home dressed as a clown. It just felt right to say that. <laughs> Barnaby is grumpy. But everything that Barnaby says about his father here, Mm -hmm. I could say about my father. You could also say it about him. And him. How often does he leave the dinner table because he's got to go solve a crime? Betty is going to be saying, Dad, you weren't always there. My dad was not a dancer or an actor or a vet in a series in the 1970s. He was a lumberjack. He was a lumberjack for a little while, but he worked on the railroad and he had to leave it. All sorts of weird times. He had no regular hours. And he couldn't control it. He could not control it. So he probably missed things that he wished he didn't. I think the difference is that Ned left voluntarily because there was something he wanted to go do. He didn't go for work. He went because of a hobby that he found more interesting at the time than his family. I felt like John was being unfair because, like, that's a long time ago. He's here now. Enjoy your time with your dad. And they kind of justify it by having Ned criticize him a couple of times. Yeah. But not in any way that I don't criticize my children. Well, and he doesn't do it first either. Yeah. It's always in response. Yeah. And then they're like, we should watch movies. And I'm like, yes, you should, because I want to see what projector and film you use. Watch those movies. Yeah. I mean, I... I guess I can say that that John is a little mean, but it's out of a place of hurt. And I'm kind of glad he gets it off his chest. But I'm also glad that Sarah is like, you know what? Maybe you could try a little. I wasn't talking about your dad. And that gets him. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the episode, you know, Winter says, isn't Ray a little old to have daddy issues? And I'm like, ring, 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 ring. It's the pot calling for Barnaby the kettle. Yes. You're a little old to still be having this grudge. So now this man is the brother of Tom Barnaby's dad. Yes. Which we had hit the, the last episode had of Tom Barnaby is all about his dad mm-hmm. and all about his dad passing. Mm-hmm. And so I wish there had been more of that brought up. Yeah. I wish we knew a little bit more about their family. Yeah. About maybe the background of their of their dads and how they grew up. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it all ends well. And though, he reads to Betty. like He's a good grandpa. He's a good grandpa. So though, I bet you he reads a mean bedtime story. I bet you that guy <laughs> reads a mean bedtime story. Though the relationship between John and Ned is a little tense, Christopher Timothy, who plays Ned, is an incredible actor. You've seen him in all kinds of things. All Creatures Great and Small. He was in 90 episodes of All Creatures Great and Small. Wow. This this man, Christopher Timothy, and as an actor, has commitment. Okay? If, you, if you go back and watch, like, and Creatures Great and Small, really, that and Coronation Street carried British television through the late 70s. Because Doctor Who wasn't doing it then. No, no, it wasn't a hit. 
Not and, then. And the people that came out of All Creatures and Great and Small are all people that you know. You watch that show. Yeah. It is all people you know. Yeah. You've seen all of them much older in Midsummer. Yeah. So not only was he in 90 episodes of All Creatures Great and Small, he was in 128 episodes of EastEnders. Wow. He was in 955 episodes of Doctors, wow. according to IMDb. That's and a- I looked at the list, like some of them, he's his character is referenced. So there's like a photo of him or they're talking about him and they include that. But that's like a dozen episodes. So Christopher Timothy was on all these great shows. Yeah. But the gem oh. among his credits. The gem. Is a Kaja Gugu music video. Yes. He's in a Kaja Gugu music video. Now. If you are as old as I am, you will remember Kajagugu as having one hit. The well, one I know is of. Too Shy. They had, they had a hit called Too Shy. And then Lamar, the lead singer of Kajagugu, had a hit for The Never Ending Story. Yes, but that's separate. That's yes. his solo record. That's his solo record for the right? movie. But Kajagugu. Yes, I know is the lead singer's name of Kajagugu. Too Shy, Hush Hush, I-O-I. I-O-I. Eye to Eye. Yes, your fantastic hair. Too shy. His hair is nothing compared to their bassist's hair because when this music video, okay, look it up. It's Kajagugu. It's on YouTube. The song is called Ooh to Be Ah. O O H to Be A H. I'll put it in the show notes. So, Christopher Timothy, who plays Barnaby's dad, is a really good actor. I like the relationship they eventually have at the end of the episode. That they're watching the movies. They're not holding I, hands. I, I it's like not like everything's not all perfect. fixed. It's I not, like that it's it's not, not fixed. But it's clear that um, they've gotten past some and things. And you forget, you forget as a parent that little things that you can do can make huge differences. But you get caught up in your day. Both and good all. and bad. Yep, yep, good and bad. You don't know what's going to stick with your kid. You don't. I really like that Ned doesn't argue. He doesn't say, oh, yeah, well, I was doing this and I was doing that. And you don't give me credit for that. And I was no, out working no. eight hours a day to, you know, put money in the pocket, no. whatever. He's just like, it wasn't all bad, was it? I'll yeah. just get out of the way. I'll just, I'll just go upstairs. I'll go to bed. You know, he's, yeah. he's not going to fight with him. Um, that was I, some fantastic passive aggressiveness, by the way. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's on the nose because that's exactly what I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> but very well written. Yeah. Very well written. And super active. He's There's some horrible red herring side plots that don't need to be there in this episode, but that was really well done. However, let us talk about the denouement of the end of the episode and Ray's confession and how Jake is a horrible person who should go hang out with Joseph McCarthy. Okay. Ray <laughs> wins the dance competition. Yes. With his new love, Rachel. Yes. This who is, he understands and, and, and cares for and supports. And it's the pinnacle of his collapse. life. It is Stands pin- up. Stands up. Which is difficult collapse. for him and claps. This is the key prideful moment of his life. This is everything he's ever wanted. And Barnaby shows up and accuses Jake Jake of what happened. And it comes out that Ray was manipulated. I love the scene where Jake is like slowly backing out of the auditorium. Yeah. Like he's going to get away. And, and then Winters is right there. Winter just comes Winter up the stairs. Right and like yeah. He's like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, you're not going anywhere. Sorry. Yeah. I I have a problem with this. I just, I find it hard to accept that Ray, who is a gentle soul, he really is, would be willing to do this. Okay. 
I Jake does not have that much power over him. I don't know. I really don't even understand why he's supposed to have done it. So this is this solves everything. Okay. You have Ray accidentally kill Rosa at the beginning, the way he does. Yeah. He scares she, her. She has a heart condition. And yeah. nobody knows about it. He basically scares her to death. Yeah. And Ray should be freaking out in the episode instead of teaching Barnaby to dance. Yeah. After that, he should be a different person than he was before. Yeah. And what he should do then is let Jake into the robot factory and Jake should kill Duncan. Duncan. That I would believe. Yeah. If he helped him. By letting him into the just, factory. Or just stood aside. Just stood aside or something. That I can see. But I cannot see Ray killing Duncan. Ray. Cold-blooded. It's. I just can't see it. He's not going to do it. No. He's just, he's manipulated. And the other thing is Ray could not keep it together long enough that people wouldn't go, oh, you killed Rosa. And this whole thing is because he doesn't want to endanger his Chinese light bulb deal. Which again. (laughs) (laughs) Which his dad is not impressed by in the first place. Yeah. If his dad was like, oh my gosh, Ray, this is it. Our business was in trouble, but your Chinese light bulb deal is going to save everything. It's huge. I'm so proud of you. Then I could see him doing anything to make sure it didn't get messed up. Or I've been embezzling money from the company Mm. to pay for my dance studio. Mm -hmm. It's not as successful as I said it was. Yeah. And it's going to come out. And that's going to come out. And my dad only has a few years to live anyway. And I don't want him to find out before he dies. Yeah. So I need to keep it under wraps. But Still, that's not enough to kill two people. No. Especially Canadians. They're nice people. Especially Duncan. Yeah. Rosa, maybe. Oops, I didn't know she had a heart condition. She didn't even know it. Yep. I dropped my mouth gel there. What? It's just... The mouth gel I put on my feet? I don't don't like the ending. It's very well acted. the, The ending makes you feel angry with Ray when you should feel sympathy for him. Yeah. Oh, I'm plenty mad at Jake, though. Oh, Jake is... I want to shake Jake the whole scene. Jake may be the most horrible human being that we've seen in a long time in Midsummer. He's standing there knowing he's faking being in the military. He's lied. He's embezzled money from other women and used them, and now he's using Heather, and now everybody knows that, right? That's out in the open. He's clearly manipulated Ray. Basically, he has blood on his hands, too. He is... Completely. And he says, he says, I don't know if he says it on camera or it's off camera. He goes, it was Ray's idea. Yeah. I'm like, okay, no one in this room thinks it was Ray's idea. No, but like, he's he's not even perturbed by it. He's just like, I didn't do it. Yeah. You did it. Yeah, he's completely psychopathic. So what's he going to get charged with? What's Jake going to get conspiracy. charged with? Conspiracy. This is why conspiracy to murder is a charge. And fraud. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Probably because at least for the other women in this that past, Chinese maybe light bulb deal is even real at this point. You think Jake is manufacturing it for him? It could be to to manipulate him. You can't believe anything he says. No, you can't. So no, I think Heather's probably going to attack him with that robot arm. Uh, Heather is a he mighty pissed it. at him. Yeah, and as he as she should be. And then you have the scene where the father says the thing. I'm probably not even going to remember. I have a son. Yeah. And you're like, like, just when it's sad enough that this guy who just found his place in the world and finally has a dad who's proud of him has done this horrible thing that's just undoing the love that he's just found, the accomplishment he's just found, all of that is torn up. His sister's fiance is a psychopath. Then his dad's like, I probably won't even remember this. And he hears Which is that. Ray even hears sadder. That. 
Oh. It's so sad. I'm so thankful for the scene at the end with Ned and John. Yeah. Because it means that you don't leave the episode just feeling awful. Yeah. Because <laughs> until then, I'm like, wow, it's just bad. I, and, and I don't know why they had to make Ray the, the killer. Yeah. It's like it, he could have been manipulated. Yeah. It would have even been better where if Ray thought he was helping him. And he realizes, no, I helped him kill two people. Yeah, you you tricked me. I didn't know what I I didn't know that that's what I was contributing to. Yeah, like you you stole my key to the robot factory. Yeah, and and used it. Yeah, yeah. Or I let it's you just, borrow it because I thought you were going to do something nice. <laughs> and then you you whacked Duncan on and the head with no, a robot arm. There's no. I keep coming back to this point. There's no flashbacks because there's no way they could film that. It was believable. Yeah. Meanwhile, Andrew is back at the mansion with his Uber joysticks going, I won't even remember this. I'm going to kill everybody from a distance. <laughs> Flying the chopper around. Yep. That would have been awesome. It would have been. Okay, so best corpse. <laughs> nice corpse. We don't really see Duncan's corpse, but the makeup job on the back of his head is pretty good. That's some awesome strawberry jam. That is some awesome... I'm going with Duncan just for that reason. Bamberry bam. It could be a mannequin. I don't care. It's the glass splatter. Woo! Wow. And, okay, Rose is not a Canadian. Like, the actress is not Canadian. Mm -hmm. And her Canadian accent, I don't know about it. (laughs) Well, he says project. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fake Canadian. He should have said project, but he's actually a real Canadian. He's just been there too long. He's been gotten. Yep. They got at him. Yep. Okay. So we're both going for Duncan for best course. Yes. Yes. Okay. After, After the credits, <laughs> Heather is angry forever. Wow. Is she ever going to trust another human being? No. I don't know. Never mind. We haven't even spoken of the fact that though we don't find the relationship between Lily and Duncan realistic, every man Lily loves dies. Yes. Every man. Her husband is dying. Her boyfriend got his head smashed like a jelly donut. Yep. She, she's just got sad. Tanya and her son, I don't know. I, and, and, uh, pseudo Iowati Warren. Yes. Uh, I don't understand their relationship anyway. I don't no. buy them being mother and son. No, it's I, just, she is so strong that I can't no imagine her raising a for kid them who's to be so related. No, they none. have no scenes together. It just doesn't hardly. Matter. No. Is Anton going to stick around? You think? Uh, no, he's going to limp off into the distance. <laughs> He's going to go teach dancing on a, a cruise ship or something. Well, and Tanya cleans up because now there's more students for her. That's true. Because the other dance studio is going to close. And she gets to sleep every night. Unless, gym jams. Unless Rachel runs it. Maybe. I don't know. She could. Do you think that she stays true for Ray? Because Ray's going to prison. Mm-hmm. Okay, Ray's going to prison. Mm-hmm. But he could probably get away with manslaughter on the first one. Mm-hmm. The second one, I got to think the jury's going to go, he couldn't have done that. <laughs> I I think he's gone away for at least 25 years, even with UK yeah. prison terms. She's not sticking around for him. They just got together. They're not married. She's she's not committed to him. They've said they love each other one time. Jake better hope that the judge he gets doesn't have any military service mm. or else he's in trouble there. He should go away for just as long. Yeah, absolutely. For what he's done. Maybe and, Warren and Heather will bond over the company. Yeah. And he won't download Soviet software anymore. 
That is the point of balance. We now have nine episodes left. Stop scaring me. (laughs) What is our next episode? What is season 21, episode two? The Miniature Murders. Oh, it's a good one. The Bois Voisins. I like this season a lot. Okay. I, I do. I, there are some critics online who are like, oh, season 21 is totally jumped the shark. What no. are they doing? I like season 21. Now, Sting of Death is the low point of the episode, but it's still fun. Oh, there's some good CG in that there one, though, with the good. big honey comb and everything. Yeah. It's awesome. And then Bated Breath is the one where Hendrix tweeted me that I said winters incorrectly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so is winter, because the mini episode for that is which winters is the fittest <laughs> is winter the fittest yeah yeah so that was season 21 episode one next week we'll have season 21 episode two the miniature murders yes and uh, then the 16th we will have sting of death because mm-hmm. that's after the busiest weekend the next two weekends are crazy insane for us but we're gonna do episodes oh yeah but the weekend uh, the next weekend, I'm going to Columbus for another comic book convention. So then the last episode will come out on the 30th of May. The last episode of May. Yep. Uh, but just like with episode one, season 21, episode two also has a spoiler free mini episode that you should listen to before you rewatch or watch it for the first time. Yes. And then you can meet us back here again next week. And then... Uh, in June, we will do season 22. And then the last season. Ah! <laughs> we will become- Somebody on Facebook today said, I can't, I can't believe you guys have so many episodes. I'm like, dude, I cannot believe we. Neither can we. Just do, let's do some simple math here. Okay. This is episode 123. And our episodes have between 11 and 14 pages of notes in my notes. <laughs> So just doing that simple math of 123 times 11, I have over 1,300 pages of notes for this show. Yeah. It's two books worth yeah. of notes about this show. And then never mind the fact that that's into the level of 200 hours. Of, yeah. That people have managed to listen to us and not go crazy. Anyway, until next time. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. A deer just walked by the window. <laughs> Sorry, you don't even have to edit that out. It happens all the time here. No. They just look in the window like, what are you doing?